Welcome to the UP Tech Talk podcast, coming to you from the new Academic Multimedia Studio on the University of Portland campus, produced by Academic Technology Services, with your hosts, Maria Erb and Sam Williams. Welcome to the UP Tech Talk podcast. Today we have with us Dr. Valerie Francisco Menchavez, Assistant Professor in Sociology and Social Work here at the University of Portland. Thank you for joining us. You're welcome. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. And thanks for coming over, Valerie. And we were so excited to have you on the podcast because you did this incredible project last year with your students, a video project on in your social inequality and uh, social justice class. Can you tell us about that project and why you wanted to use video in it? Sure. Actually, the class was race and ethnicity. And I think the digital storytelling format and sort of video production, um, I wanted to tap into two things. I wanted to see how students were talk storying, which is a sort of an indigenous scholarly methodology um, uh, from Hawaii, thinking about how people sort of talk about their lives in a storied way already. So I want to tap into that sort of skill we all have about just talking about how we experience um, race in in an on-campus, um, race and ethnic relations in the city of Portland. And so I thought that the digital storytelling project could help students sort of have a sociological method around collecting stories, but it could also have um, this powerful sort of format in which they could tell not just our class, but a wider audience, right? The UP campus, sort of, you know, their communities here in Portland. And I think the digital storytelling project really would would have, would allow me to do both of those things. And really, um, I, I love digital storytelling. And so I'm, I was so excited when I heard that you were wanting to do that as a project. And so um, made me very happy and coming from an indigenous background as well. Right. And, um, so did with your project, and I know you'll tell us a little bit more about it, but um, was it just like, how did you have them start the project, though? I yeah. mean, because I think people want to dive into the media yes. immediately and I'm going to go find a song and stuff. And we definitely they need to find music and right. stuff like that. So how did you get them started? OK, so what was one thing um, helpful for me was the digital storytelling workshop that was facilitated by the department, um, your department, the Academic Technology Services Department, where I really thought about process-oriented instead of product-oriented sort of pedagogy around the digital storytelling project. So what that meant is that I sort of broke up the project into the semester. Um, and the first way that I had them do that was, or I had them jump into the project after, of course, reading sociological material on race and ethnicity was really to um, brainstorm what question do you want to um, explore and what are some of the things that you already know? So, for example, um, one set of students wanted to talk about whiteness on campus, right, and wanted to explore that. But what about whiteness? Did, did, what, did that, what about whiteness interested you, right? And um, they, they started to narrow their projects. And so even before they thought about what kind of cuts or angles in the video do you want, I sort of got them thinking about how they would, or, you know, the the content first. Um, and I think that's really helpful before you just go sort of 
guerrilla video, you know, right. like, mm-hmm. you know, approach everyone's like, what's whiteness to you yeah. or whatever, you know, um, that they have a sort of roadmap for themselves. And Maria, you were um, super helpful in, in helping me sort of think th- think through that. Well, thanks. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that workshop uh, with the Andy Blue Ball. That really was a good workshop. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and we got so much uh, great outcome from that because you did this incredible project and so did Alice. Mm-hmm. And that was great. I'm so glad you both got a lot out of mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So how did your students react to this assignment? Brand new for them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, with, when students sort of are, ch- when they're challenged with an assignment, their first um, reaction is like a groan, like, oh my God, <laughs> I can't. And actually, um, what we came to find out was there's so many students in the classroom that had, you know, edited a family video on iVideo or... Um, Final Cut Pro, right? So there was at least one or two people in every group, like six groups that had already sort of touched their apple in that, you know, program. And so I think when when we start to mine um, students' knowledge, they're already, the, the knowledge they already bring to the classroom, then it starts becoming less daunting, right? Now, that's when the roles sort of kicked in. So the iVideo person was going to obviously do a lot a lot of the post-production. Um, other students who were not so knowledgeable in that stepped up into the role of, I'm going to go collect the data, right? I'm going to go to the library and actually get the camera, and I'm going to shoot. Um, some people were like, I, I don't really want to do that. I'm going to try to figure out how we're going to organize the digital storytelling video, right? So I think um, when folks got um, clarified in terms of what their roles were in the project, which also, you know, was facilitated in class, so they didn't just have to figure it out themselves, um, that, then I think they sort of got comfortable with the role in the project. That's also good to hear. Yeah. Um, I do think that that really makes it easier to roll out projects like this moving forward. You know that that's going to be an important piece and getting those roles assigned early on is going to be helpful. Absolutely. And uh, we, definitely a new project that's around media. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not just writing a paper. I think we, everybody gets so used to the Mm -hmm. normal. And so I think shaking it up a little bit's fun. And Mm -hmm. so... So you have the group starting, you have the, they're finding their topics, they're researching and all that stuff. Did you find that their enthusiasm built as mm-hmm. they started going through the project? Like, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm hoping that it, it built through the project, but. Yeah, I mean, I think what's important to note is the project, it was semester long. It wasn't the last four weeks of the course. It started right from the beginning, right? And in the first weeks of the semester, even if they only read two or three chapters of the book, we already started to think about it. So I think it's also setting it up in the course, in the syllabus, where, you know, I didn't call the final exam a final exam period. We called it, like, the final show, right? Um, So that, you know, students feel excited about, okay, so we're going to have an all-nighter right before, but it's our show. It's the the time where we're going to be able to share our work. Uh, And so I think... Also, when people were able to get help on the video production, people started to feel like, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm really proud of what I'm going to do. And I'm going to, you know, kind of show off, pop my collar a little, you know, with with our video, you know, with our video project. So I think it did build up, but it it has to start from a tiny sort of 
drum beat, you know, in the beginning and sort of work itself in the crescendo, like to the end, you know. I really like that. Yeah. That's really nice. Yeah. Um, and did they get help through the library? Yes. Um, with Jose? Or? With Jose, we went in a couple of sessions to sort of just familiar, familiarize ourselves with iVideo and Final Cut Pro. And they went in um, separately. So I would have um, work sessions and then, you know, sort of they would do their own thing in the digital lab. And the results, the the final outcomes were really impressive. Were, did your students feel that way too? Yeah, I think many of them felt really proud. Um, I think the product itself was great for them. I mean, some of them, they felt like, man, I could have done it better if I had more time, right? And I think that's all of our like, my dissertation could have been better. <laughs> um, everything can be better with more yeah, time. Right. But I think they felt really proud about it. But I think what they, what was, what they felt most proud about was what they learned, right? I mean, I think um, there was one video that was really um, moving around immigrants and their immigrant experiences um, or immigrant experiences here at UP. And they were able to connect to Asian-American, Latino-American first-generation students and sort of talk with people about, like, your parents' expectations and then what you actually can do um, at in college, right? And I think that kind of ethnicity or ethnicizing um, the college experience was so fruitful for them. And for them to be able to tell a cohesive story across, I think, for them was really awesome. Um, and for me as a sociologist, super important, right? that they, they were able to stitch together, to braid together these stories um, and have one arch to them. And I think that's what's cool about the digital storytelling projects are it's that arch, right? You have to really find one message and one argument, kind of like a paper almost, but in this other format, right? Um, it has an introduction. It has a thesis. It has a question. It has sort of data, right? And the students get to have conclusions about that. And so I think when they're collaborating, um, I feel like they feel proud of that. Yeah, and I feel like, for me, the most incredible thing was that they have such staying power, these stories, you know, the final outcome. Like, Mm -hmm. I've watched your projects a a number of times. I've watched each one of them, and they stay with me. I remember Mm -hmm. them. I think about them. And I can't say that for any other, you know, paper that I've right. heard right. about in class or somebody giving an in-class in presentation, it doesn't have that staying power or that resonance. That's right. But these digital stories do. Yes. Well, it's very difficult to, um, you know, you have to be a really good writer mm-hmm. to create mood, yes. you know, and yes. to be able to to do more than just put words, mm-hmm. you know, on a piece of paper. Right. You know, I, and that's what I love about digital storytelling mm-hmm. anyway. It's that you're able to really put it even if it's just still photography you know and with music or whatever on that right it's just bringing that image Mm -hmm. and helping people fill in the gaps because if you're reading you're creating that in your own head right and you have your background that you're coming from right so what are you really creating right and is it accurate to the story so um, and i think that harkens back to talk story right like hawaiian scholars talk about how oral history has been passed down in, in terms of talk story and that there's a lot that you can miss in the written word um, where when you're talking with someone and there's an inflection in their voice and you see their face, there is something there that you can catch more than what they're just just what they're saying. Right. Mm-hmm. There's a bigger story when it's embodied in that way. And I think the digital storytelling project 
when it captures, you know, um, visuality, space, interaction, it tells you much, much more than what the research question is, whether it's what's the immigrant experience or what does whiteness um, feel like on the UP campus. There's so much more that you can offer. Yeah, I think that's a, a huge point. I mean, I feel like that format really liberates the information. And we just were talking about academic writing and how we feel that's kind of stifles <laughs> sure. uh, and really confines the information a lot of times and makes it inaccessible. But I feel like your project, especially that whiteness mm-hmm. one, I see that in my head right now. Mm-hmm. I feel it. And yeah. I've thought about it so many times. Yeah. It really makes an impact. Yeah. And I think, you know, um, the digital storytelling project as uh, an assignment for a class like race and ethnicity or social inequalities or Something that sort of uh, a course that, you know, explores social issues is so important because of um, the ability for you to capture um, all of that and for it to stay with you. Right. Um, And I think you're exactly right. Um, That kind of format lends itself to have students tell a story a particular way. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely don't want to knock too much of academic writing because I don't. Th- that'll be the first time we get a bunch of um, you know negative email uh-huh. in. Right? Uh, hate um, mail. We'll get our first. Our we'll get our first like, hate mail in yeah, from people. Exactly. I mean, I think academic writing is awesome. I'm an academic, but I think yes. there's also ways to remix it, right? And exactly. Yeah. I think students already have those skills. Exactly. They're always remixing, right? They're always making mm-hmm. memes or mm-hmm. vines and. All of these things. So I think when we meet in the middle and ask them to take their academic knowledge and remix it in a way in the formats that they're so familiar with already, I think we've got something pretty interesting. How about just making knowledge accessible? Sure. You know, that's yeah. like kind of my mantra and yeah. bottom line. I feel like we should be in that business. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> well, and really, it reinforces the topic and it reinforces the knowledge if you're getting it from in different forms. Like yeah. if you're just writing and you're reading Right. You know, I don't feel like I'm really absorbed mm-hmm. in that topic. But if I'm listening to people, if I'm watching something, you know, I'm really starting to yeah. absorb more of that content. We we had somebody talk about because of it does take in a lot of ways, it does take more work mm-hmm. um, to build media projects. Yeah, And Absolutely. so the, so I think somebody mentioned in a previous podcast that um, and I think it might have been Dr. Gates. Um, and I can't remember right mm-hmm. off the top of my head, but um, that uh, the students actually were able – she – this person felt, because I know I'm going to get it wrong, felt that the students really understood the topic more. Yes. Yeah, it yeah. was Dr. Gates who said that. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. I mean, if you think about how long you st- spend in post-production, like rewinding four mm-hmm. seconds. <laughs> or, you know, I, I know you both know what that's like. Um, you really have to think about – Okay, what concept am I trying to get through here? Is mm-hmm. that is this fifteen second soundbite going to really support my analysis? Exactly. Right? I'm not. I'm also not proposing that we sort of switch and everyone should do digital storytelling instead of having papers. I see the point of that. Yeah. And in my class, there were also you know um, your sort of traditional academic writing. I just don't want my fellow colleagues to be like, "What's happening in your class?" <laughs> right. <laughs> just making videos. No. Um, in tandem with sort of the traditional um, academic learning styles and um, learning assignments, I think that it's an added bonus for them to be able to talk about um, what we've studied in their own way, right? And that's sort of what our 
our role is as educators. We want our students to sort of internalize what we've taught and sort of, you know, push it out in the way that they understand. And I think that the video projects did exactly that. Yeah, and I'm really curious now to hear about your infographics project that you rolled out last semester. Um, <clears throat> that, too, was another innovative use of new media. So how did that one roll out, and what were you thinking when, when you chose that? I was thinking, um, for my global sociology class, um, I was thinking that the video project um, wouldn't be as um, wouldn't be the type of instructional technology that would meet the objectives I wanted. Um, because I thought that um, when we're talking about global issues, I feel like folks think that globalization is somewhere sort of in the sky and not close to us. That happens to us every day. And um, I wanted a sort of visual map um, for students to be able to um, share with their brothers, share with their parents, share with their friends. Like, this is um, the how, like, export processing zones or manufacturing, like, sweatshops work. And here's a sock first. It was a piece of thread. And then, you know, sort of have that kind of map for them to share. And, and so I thought that the infographics method um, would be a good one because um, most students could sort of do it, right? I think that's one of the objectives was to be able to um, gain some skills from the assignment, but also to start to explain what we were discussing in class through a visual sort of format. Um, the infographic things, I mean, sometimes it worked and other times it didn't <laughs> work. Um, but I think what was helpful is there's so many things out there now that can allow you to um, design a flyer. I mean, do you remember when it was like, here, design a flyer? And everyone's like, well, I don't know how to use Photoshop. <laughs> and that was like the only way to make a flyer, right? Well, or, and then everybody like got Word. into um, Publisher and Word, and then right. you had every awful piece of clip art that you could possibly <laughs> yeah, exactly. have in a poster. Exactly. And, you know, FYI, the, all that clip art is now no longer available. Did oh, you hear about thank this? Thank goodness. <laughs> uh, it's actually a good thing. Yeah, yes. right. So, um, I mean, but now you have all this sort of um, internet-based yes. um, apps, right, or mm -hmm. applications or programs to do it. And they have, um, you know, themes and sort of, what do you call it? Templates, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so I thought that that might be a little bit more helpful for students to not have to get training in Photoshop, which people spend their whole, you know, college yeah, degrees careers. on. Right, careers. <laughs> yeah. um, but they could plug and play still, right? So with the video, you were able to narrow it down to a couple tools and then mm -hmm. kind of, and then focus on content. Did you find were you able to focus in on a couple tools or did you just kind of let students kind of figure the technology part out on their own? Yeah, I think um, because it was my first try, the first um, installment of the each one teach one assignment was um, I actually allowed them to do whatever they wanted. Right. So it could have been a blog post. It could have been a photo essay, an infographic, et cetera. And I think um I think students get a little rattled by, like, here's the world. Do do what you want to do. I think they work better with a little bit of structure. And so I think the infographic um, and uh, and sort of narrowing it down to some tools that are accessible to them really helped students out. So one um, thing that I asked Jose Velasco to come in and do another training on is Google Paint, okay. which is a... Uh, is is on the Gmail client, right? Mm -hmm. But 
But I also had a student come up and sort of do a quick training on um, infograph, right, and pictochart. And that already started to feel like an each one teach one sort of type of pedagogy, right, um, where students were like, okay, I know how to do this, so let me just show you. It's really simple. Um, and so narrowing it down to some for, um, platforms really helped them out. Yeah, and again, the results are super impressive. Yes. I love those infographics. Mm -hmm. I mean, they Thanks. look just like yeah, high stunning. quality. Right. It's like, wow, this is mm -hmm. visually interesting, and the information is fantastic. Yeah, and I think that's the part that I thought really worked on this project was they had to choose, right? Because infographics can't be too muddled, right? And when they're too muddled, it doesn't work. If it's like too much text or too many facts or too many numbers, it actually doesn't work. So you really have to narrow down what what are the what are the most convincing pieces of data to convince people that sweatshop labor not a good look not not really good for anyone right or um, the oil spills in Niger not really a good thing right um, or you know those kinds of things they really have had to research do a lot of research and then sort of choose the best pieces of data to present um, via the infographic. Well and, it's, well, and it's narrowing it down to a single image or a single mm -hmm. icon that represents such a important, right. you know, important piece of information. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, and I don't. I'm, I, I'm glad you said about not having too much on the screen, and, mm -hmm. you know, or on the 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 content. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm a big fan of white space. Yeah, so yeah, um, I think people can really. Mm -hmm. just cram so much in there that they lose every bit of impact yes. that it could ever have mm -hmm. had. Yeah. Um, so it kind of reminds me of some of the poster projects that people have done. So it's yeah. really taking that poster project to that next level. Right, right, right. Um, so, it, you know, because we've seen some interesting poster projects where it's that one giant graph yes, and then yes. a bunch of text. Yes. And yeah. you just look oh. at them and you're like, what I are you trying to, to say? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that one on Tom's shoes just was incredible. Right. Um, that one. And I think the choosing um, how to present your data is also an academic exercise, right? Many scholars are often always in writing articles or their books. They're always trying to figure out how to package their argument. Um, for my students, I think it was the first um, sort of entree to thinking about, oh, information is actually produced by people, right? Many of my students, right? <laughs> right? I mean, it, when you see an infographic, where does it come from, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think it was really a practice of like critical media consumption, right? Yeah. They were like, oh, we get to choose the angle for in which we're going to talk about Tom's, right? right. Um, the Tom's Project um, the infographic by Joey Monaco um, was basically she was saying Tom's actually isn't it actually hurts local economies in Africa when, you know, people donate those shoes because the local shoe economies in um, in countries in Africa where they're donated collapse. Right. So that's a very different story than what we hear when we have when we see the Tom's commercials with like beautiful music mm -hmm. and, you know, shoe shoeless kids. And then now they have shoes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. And I think Joey as a student was like, oh, OK, I, I get to make um, an argument about Tom's. And therefore, she was like, I'd never thought about that before, that people are you know, making these messages and crafting these messages. And to me, that's 
such a sociological practice and such an important just lesson to be to have as a human being in the world to know that like information is coming from somewhere and coming from a perspective and for them to be making these infographics they were really able to say okay so this is my argument um and this is my perspective so i'm going to show it in this way here are four pieces of data to show you um about this tom's industry right and i think that that's really powerful really crafting a powerful argument and making it in a memorable way mm -hmm. again i'm never going to forget that tom's yeah that's well, right yeah yeah. One is a part of this. Um, so if you're following us at sites.up.edu slash tech talk, um, you can go there. To, we'll have the blog post there and we will yes. put some of the infographics, hopefully, and, if we have and permission. And we'll link to your Absolutely. videos uh, from previous projects as well. Excellent. Yeah. So we'll, I, w I just wanted to thank you so much for um, coming here today. Sure. There's, we could sit here and talk with you for, ever, for really. a while. <laughs> yeah. So, but, you know, you brought up so many amazing, um, so many amazing um factors to your projects and stuff and so we will get you back um and yeah, we, yeah definitely and thank you and this entire time just so people don't know but um you brought a baby into this world <laughs> beautiful, recently beautiful and we baby. have a baby in the studio that has been sleeping this entire time. oh my gosh she's been cooperating so she wanted me on the podcast so. yes she yes. did so. Yeah. so thank you for coming sure. today and Aya. thank you for having thank you both all right thank you Thank you for joining us for another episode of the UP Tech Talk podcast. Just a reminder that we post a new podcast every Friday morning, and you can find us at techtalk.up.edu.